I there, Rod here. I am doing a little pricey podcast episode of my talk from February the 21st because it wasn't recorded. So I am doing this at home. I'm just going to go through my notes. So apologies if it feels a little bit reedy. Um, yeah, it's hard to do something kind of natural and flowy when you're sitting with a computer in front of you, but um, I will give it a go. Um, we are in the middle of a series called Returning from Exile, where we're drawing parallels between the Jewish experience of exile in Babylon and our own experience of the COVID pandemic. We spent a few weeks just listening to people's stories of their year of COVID. And um, this week, or at least February 21st, was the first week where we started to talk about um, yeah, some of the themes that we saw in those stories. Uh, so before I talk about um, my reflections, uh, I'll just read the passage that we looked at, which was Philippians 2, 4 to 11. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be clung to, but instead became completely empty, taking on the image of oppressed humanity, being born into the human condition and being found in human form. Jesus was thus humbled and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted to Christ and gave to Jesus the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ reigns to the glory of God. So I chose this passage because I was reminded of it when I heard some of the stories that people told about their experience of lockdown, particularly the stories of Danielle and Percy. Um, and I want to preface what I say by saying that I have checked with both of them um, and have got their uh, permission to share um, aspects of their story today. Uh, in fact, um, after I gave my talk, I got a little message from Percy talking about what their experience was like. So I'm just going to read that to you by way of introduction in a way. Um, so Percy said, during lockdown, it felt like I finally caught up to everyone. Everyone could relate to a sense of executive dysfunction and fatigue that have become routine for me living with a chronic pain condition. Nobody required an explanation for why I couldn't submit a task on time. Uh, Percy was studying during this time. Or why I had to step out of a social activity. In fact, at times it felt like I was coping better than most people because I was used to the circumstances of things not being well. Now that things have returned to semi-normal, I feel like I'm being left behind because there isn't a normal that I can access. Um, and Danielle's experience was similar, I guess, living also with um, chronic health condition and feeling like 
suddenly everyone else's experience was similar to hers and having a, a sense of solidarity, a sense of connection with other people's experience that she didn't normally have. Now, for many of us, um, we had almost the opposite experience, uh, I guess an experience like Jesus, where lockdown was um, a sense of things being stripped away from us, of freedoms being taken away, of limitations being imposed. An experience, I guess, like Jesus as described in Philippians 2, of emptying. It may not, of course, have been as extreme as the experience of Jesus, but um, and unlike the experience of Jesus, we didn't choose it, but it's still worth considering what, what we can learn from this experience uh, and what we can learn from the stories of people like Percy and Daniel. The first thing that I, I mentioned um, on February 21 is the realisation that in the social chaos and collapse of exile or of a pandemic, um, how you experience this collapse depends a lot on your position in society. The prophet Ezekiel, for example, um, who I quoted in the weekly note that preceded February 21st, was a priest in training before he went into exile. The first verse of the book of Ezekiel describes him as a 30-year-old priest. And when you turned 30, that was the year that you started your priestly duties in the temple. So here was a man who had spent years training for a position of privilege and importance, and then suddenly this was taken away from him. So his experience of exile was that of a privileged man having his life of purpose and meaning torn away from him. But I imagine there would also have been many people in Jerusalem already living an experience of exile in their own home city, whether that's because of illness or disability, being a servant, being a slave, being a woman, or even being a child. I wonder if some of those who ended up in exile had a sense that their situation was no worse than it was before and whether for some of them it might have felt even better than it was before because suddenly everyone else was in the same boat as them. Now, as with our experience of COVID, this flattening of society by exile wasn't complete and it it would probably have been fairly short-lived, um, as all the educated elites like Daniel in the book of Daniel started to be pulled up into the Babylonian bureaucracy, uh, into positions of privilege and getting better clothes and food and better houses. Uh, but for, for a short time, at least, everyone was in a similar situation. And even the elites like Daniel and his friends were still at the mercy of their Babylonian masters, still in danger of being cast into a fire or thrown, in, thrown to the lions, as we see in the, uh, in the first chapters of the book of Daniel. And I, I wonder if this, this experience, this early experience of exile, of, of suddenly everyone being in the same boat, of this 
flattening of society, of everyone, even the elites feeling on the underside of history, feeling uh, oppressed and displaced. Whether this experience and the fact that the Jewish scriptures were edited into their final form during this time of exile consolidated the vision that we see throughout the Hebrew scriptures, the view from the underside, the vision of solidarity with the outsider, with the widow and the orphan. This vision that we see becoming even more radical with the teaching of Jesus and the writings of the apostles, as in the passage from the Philippians, from Philippians that we read. Um, so my question when I spoke on the 21st was uh, whether this could happen in our community. Could our forced experience of emptying and limitation, the experience that we had under COVID, could that permanently deepen our sense of solidarity with those for whom this experience is permanent? Could we actually choose forms of self-emptying and limitation that create space for others to experience more fullness and freedom, um, more solidarity with us. We certainly saw some evidence of this. Um, Jenny talked in her story about how people stepped in to support her when things were tough during lockdown. Um, so there is evidence of that happening. Um, but the question is whether, whether that can continue whether there are practices that we can weave into our ongoing lives that um, help us to stand more with those whose lives are characterized by a feeling of, of exile and lack of freedom and limitation, people within our community, but also people outside our community. One really practical example of this that I thought about was um, the letter-writing campaign that St Mark's Clifton Hill is running, uh, which we as a community have been invited to participate in. And it's basically a letter-writing campaign where uh, a woman called Petrina in their community writes a letter every week and members of their community and members of ours uh, copy that letter, personalise it and send it off to the Prime Minister, to various ministers and shadow ministers and local federal uh, members of parliament uh, with the goal of getting all asylum seekers out of detention. Because um, the thing is, I, I haven't done this myself. Um, and the, the reason I haven't done it is because I don't want to add yet another thing to my week. Um, the prospect of feeling a bit overwhelmed by just adding one more thing to my week. But there is an absurdity to the fact that the busyness that I have chosen, but which overwhelms me, stands in the way of me working for the freedom of those who are overwhelmed by isolation and limitation and boredom, overwhelmed by a lack of busyness. Let me read out a little section from um, the letter that Petrina sent out the week before I spoke. Um, she wrote this. As Victoria spends another week down in lockdown, we think of those people who are essentially in permanent lockdown in so-called alternative places of detention. 
as mental health agencies warn of the effect of this brief statewide COVID lockdown on exacerbating mental health problems in our community. How much more severe must, must be the effects of the indefinite lockdown of refugees and asylum seekers? Prime Minister, the release of some of the refugees and asylum seekers from the Park Hotel, while extremely welcome, is not enough and only increases the sense of uncertainty and victimisation for those remaining in alternative places of detention. She finishes the letter by saying, can we carry forward from this temporary experience of exile in our own homes an ongoing sense of solidarity with those whose lives have a permanent sense of exile about them? Oh, sorry, I'm lying. That's something that I wrote. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I guess the challenge for me and perhaps for others in this community is whether we can do things like joining this letter writing campaign, whether we can do things like staying vigilant about those or for those who in our community are in a temporary or permanent state of exile from the rest of our community. Whether there are, there are people in detention centres or people in prisons, um, there are of course physical forms of, of exile and limitation, but there are so many others who for reasons of physical or mental health are in a place of exile in their own home. So just to finish, um, I really didn't want these suggestions to be an attempt to guilt myself or other people. They're merely suggestions that our liberation from the tyranny of busyness and individualism may be tied up with the liberation of those who are victims of this society in different ways. Yeah, so it's not in any way an attempt to, to load more onto us, but to ask the question of whether by, um, by seeking more space in our lives, we open ourselves up and open up our time to, to stand in greater solidarity with those who, um, whose lives are characterized by some kind of permanent state of, of exile or limitation. So I will leave my kind of pricey reading out of um, my notes there. I finished with two um, slides from the Iona community, some prayers, liturgical prayers that, um, that in, through which I, I hoped we could all um, state our desire to stand in solidarity with those who, who remain on the underside or remain limited. Um, and then we finished with, with communion. Uh, so that was Sunday the 21st. I hope my pricey um, made sense to you. Um, I hope if you've made it this far, um, there was something in it for you. And um, yeah, just want to finish by hoping that you go well, um, sending my blessings to everyone and um, yeah, talk to you again soon next week or sorry what is now yesterday's talk was recorded so you won't have to uh to put up with a, a bumbling pricey for the next one it will be the actual recording all right catch you soon mm -hmm.